Хей, Том! Привет, Стив! Ребята, я надеюсь, у вас получится отличное шоу. Вы же всегда заставляете меня смеяться. Welcome, everybody. I'm Tom Witham. Hi, I'm Steve Piles. And this is Masters of Profundication, your favorite podcast. By this time, it has to be. I don't think you have a choice. Right. It's law. <laughs> How else would people get through their daily commute? Without our dulcet tones in their ears? I don't I know. Don't. I, I need my dulcet tones in my own ears. So, I mean, it just stands to reason everybody else would, too. Right. It's like the magic of Barry White. Plus, I get to use the word dulcet. How many people get to use the word dulcet on a regular basis? Nobody. It's weird. You're like the fifth person today I've heard say it. Liar! Yeah, I am. That's not true. <laughs> um, I've, I had something incredibly interesting happen to me this week. It, it Almost. Ah. Not necessarily ghosts, but uh, it involved an out-of-body experience. That's pretty A close. Legit, 100%, I'm not lying to you, out-of-body experience. I had it. I'll you, explain. Like it wasn't... <laughs> Um, By the way, I almost died today. Anyways, let's keep on going forward. No, it was not about body experience, like not like death, but like uh, I saw. Have you seen that movie Sliding Doors with? Um, I want to say different timelines or something. Gwyneth Paltrow, I think that's who it is. Or oh, is it? Is that her? It's the one where she gets fired and takes the bus home, and in one version of her life she makes it home, yeah. and in the other version she doesn't make it on the bus or whatever train. And Jude she, Law or something like that is in it too, right? Uh, the, I never saw it. But. One version of herself makes it home and catches her boyfriend cheating on her. The other one does not. Like, it just misses it. But then the two timelines, it's like a fork in the road, and you follow her two lives, one that caught her boyfriend cheating and the other one that didn't. <laughs> I actually had that happen to me. You got your boyfriend cheating? Damn. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, one of me didn't, and the other one did. Okay, that's yeah. that's good enough then. Fork in the road. God, it sucked. No, uh, and actually, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where um, I carry a, a firearm, and I there was the what, the episode that we were talking about um, movie production. And, okay, yeah, yeah, and we went on a little bit of a tirade about gun culture and Hollywood right. culture. And, how I live in a fantasy world, like I'll never have to use my gun, but I always want to have it just because it's like you a safety thing. Well, it's a funny thing because I live pretty much out in the middle of nowhere with one street light for a mile and a half stretch of road on a lake. And I travel, I work the night shift or late shift evenings and I leave work at 11. I get home about midnight. So midnight, no street lights. Um, Yada, yada, yada. So I'm driving home and I'm about a mile and a half uh, or a mile away from the house and a car <laughs> pulls right up on my butt. I hadn't, hmm. even, I hadn't seen a car in a, a while for at least 10 minutes of my drive. <clears throat> car That's gets a horror right movie up. intro. <laughs> yeah. A uh, car gets right up like two inches from my bumper and high beams me and follows me like that for about <gasps> a quarter mile. In the back seat? Oh my <laughs> God. That's the creepiest yeah. urban legend I've yeah, it's like five urban legends all in one. Oh, uh, so I thought maybe it was a police cruiser and he was running my plate. I there were a lot of things that going through my head, but um, so the one light that we have on the street is right by the mailboxes. We all have a community mailbox, so I pull in there to um, get mail out, and I see it's a black Maxima, 
and they peel off. They like spin their tires and get out of there. So I go over and I get my mail, but this person had whipped it around and came back and slowed right down, rolled down their window. And it was some white trash piece of shit mm. with his flat brimmed hat all cocked sideways. And he said, fucking flat brimmed hat. He said, uh, hey, fuck face. What's wrong with your high beams? He said that? He said that to me. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, nothing. I don't think so. Uh, and he's like, yeah, well, uh, you high beam me back there. You, you left your high beams on back there. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, hey, if you want, I can get out. We can talk about it, which I think yeah. in redneck white trash speak, that means well, I'm going to fight you. Right. <clears throat> and he was agitated. Like this guy was, he was ready to pounce mm-hmm. and he wanted blood. Somebody had driven by him with their high beams on. He probably spun his car around and lost them, but picked me up. Good enough. And I just happened to be the target. (laughs) So uh, verbally berating me, very agitated, road rage situation here. And I'm not going to lie. I I had an out-of-body experience. And I I time traveled Mm. like an hour in the future. And I saw blue police lights. I saw me on the ground giving this guy, you know, life-saving techniques. <laughs> and I, honest to God, I, I saw myself laying in bed at night, I laying comfortably in bed. And then I saw myself at the police station giving a report because hmm. I had shot this guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can't tell you, it was probably a span of like five seconds. But in my out-of-body experience, it was like two hours. It was, it was the weirdest feeling I, it's hard to describe, but time slowed down, and I, I had my gun with me, and it probably would have taken me two seconds to say something to this guy to provoke him to get out of his car, yeah, come over, threaten me, and then I would have put a bullet in his chest. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably like five, but I guess as a responsible gun owner, and this is something that everybody should know, uh, there are a lot of rules about owning a gun. And in order to responsibly carry a gun, you need to understand that the first order of business is to stop the threat. Right. So if this guy had been in my face and trying to take me down, trying to put me in a sleeper hold or whatever stupid MMA thing that he had dreamt up that he was going to do to me, um, I would have shot him and killed him to stop that threat. But he wasn't even out of his car yet. He was sitting there, you know, he, he was sitting there, hadn't even put it in park. He was still, you know, idling kind of creeping forward with his head out the window, you know, calling me names and threatening me, but he wasn't really threatening me because I'm a grown, I'm a grown man and words don't hurt. So I made a a decision to stop the threat by apologizing. And I, and I said, Hey man, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, it won't happen again. You know, I'll try better next time, but essentially it was an apology. And you know what this punk said to me, this motherfucker, yeah. as he was driving away, as he was speeding away, he said, yeah, good decision. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you, you don't even fucking know what kind of a good decision it was. I got to tell you, I mean, road rage people just make me laugh because how often does that ever work out for anybody ever? Like oh, how God. often does uh, you, can you go spin to, around and you hunt down the guy that did you wrong? Yeah. You can go well. to, um, on Facebook, there's a group called Justice Porn. And essentially it's... Uh, videos of people getting their just desserts. I'm saying like road rage people that get out of their car and smash a window and then the person (laughs) gets out of the car and then puts a beat down on them, that type of stuff. I imagine like the majority of road rage incidents work out to being like civil matters in court or something like that. Probably don't end in bloodshed, but 
This guy, this guy, I'm sure he had watched one too many MMA fights on TV, was pissed off that somebody high beamed him and was going to track down the next person he could to put him, you know, to get his justice. Right. Well, you know what his justice would have been? His justice would have been dead. (laughs) Yeah. Laying cold on the street, dead, while I'm giving a report to the police. (laughs) (laughs) And then he would have looked, did he come at you? Yeah, he did. Did he threaten you? Yeah, he did. All right, self-defense. Sorry. Then his widow's going to be all crying. Well, that's the thing is, and during my kids... During my out-of-body experience, I saw his family taking my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So uh, I used my better judgment, and I apologized. And went home with a little bit of a bruised ego because, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't high beam this kid. Right. And, you know, he drove away thinking, yeah, that's right. Punk-ass bitch. I just, you just got to know that whatever you do in life, you're already better than anybody that wears a flat brimmed hat. That's just, <laughs> that's just a rule. So you can always rest assured knowing that. that. And I'm sure, you know, sometime later in the week, he's going to overdose on fentanyl or something. Yeah, that's, you, you'll be seeing him again at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, well, you're going to stay yeah. back for a while? That's just the way it works. I don't know, buddy. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. Uh, yeah, I thought that that was a, a really good decision, and I'm glad that he commented me on my decision making. <laughs> you know, he buried the hatchet. But I, the it came to mind that I wanted to bring it up here because I know when you and I were just kind of tossing around the idea of a podcast, one of the one of the ideas that I churned out was that we should talk about uh, real life movie movie moments that happened to you, and that I was think of any. That was honest to God. That was a. That's, yeah. That was. One of those things where time slowed down and I weighed all of my choices using a part of my brain that is full of fantasy. I could see, I could, honest to God, I could see blue lights. I saw blue lights flashing. I saw me explaining myself to the police. I, I, you know. You had like a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. I've seen glitches in the Matrix. That's right. It's weird. But. (laughs) Anyway, that that's that was the highlight that capped off the my Monday, and I had to spend the rest of my week thinking, "Man, I wish I had just shot that motherfucker in the face." <laughs> Even though, you know it was the right decision. You're just standing in the shower. How many? At least for six days, you stood under the nozzle, and you're like, "Yep." Just replayed that in the head where it's like, "Yeah, I shot you. Now what? Now what yeah. do you do? Shot him in the kneecaps first, and then you." I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Johnny Rico. Uh, that's I love that movie. Tombstone's such a great movie. I would have held his hand and escorted him to the ground while he's bleeding. That's right. Both lungs. You, you can't kill him, right? He has to know that he did wrong. You know, he has to know that he fucked with the wrong guy. Maybe knock off the brim. That made me knock off that. <laughs> yeah, just cut it off. I'm gonna do another, one last funeral before you die. Here you go. Squish yeah. it down. Stroke his hair and say, "Shh, it's gonna be all right. It's all right. Go to the light." Now, all life is sacred, and I'm sure um, that, I'm sure that guy had a family, and I'm sure that family is miserable as fuck being around him. But whatever, you could have done everybody a favor then. I know, <laughs> probably would have done everybody. Just Maybe he actually old. had a current life insurance policy. They would have they would have made a statue in your honor. <laughs> yeah, because the, the family doesn't live in squalor anymore because the insurance paid out. Exactly. Now I his kids are going to go on. I get some money. This is amazing. Kids go to college and stay away from drugs. And, I can watch TV and not watch these fucking MMA, MMA fights over and over in a loop. This is the greatest day ever. You know what? I, I think it's my duty to go seek that guy out. Shoot go find him again. To high beam everybody. See if you can like, go fishing. <laughs> yeah, just start high beam. <laughs> 
See what uh, you did. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a hard one to explain <laughs> to the police. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta understand this has been percolating for a week, so I gotta I had I'm to just shoot like officer. Just like Batman. I'm the high beam vigilante. <laughs> I think that's how Batman started. That's yeah. But just think just think if that wasn't me. Just think if that was somebody else that you know somebody else if you were a guy that wore a flat brimmed hat, they would have been a rumble. Oh yeah, it would have gone down. If like you were the type of guy that wore a flat. If anybody hasn't guessed by now, I hate those fucking flat brimmed hats. Yeah, it's the stupidest. It, I it just, is. It is. It's the douchebag uniform. It's oh, I see you wear a flat brimmed hat. You are a douchebag. I don't really need to pay you much attention. Right. And if I just alienated you, then you. you need to uh, reevaluate your life. That's all. You I'm did saying. me the service. Um, wearing a, a flat brimmed hat. It's like wow. a flat, you know. Like you just saved me some time. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> That's probably the smartest thing you've ever done. <laughs> yeah. If you got a wife beater on at the same time, then I, you just done me a huge yeah. favor. I can avoid you like the plague. And be Although very I got confident in my decision. I gotta say, uh, hey, fuckface, what's wrong with your high beams? This is not the best icebreaker. No, I mean it's know, an attention grabber for sure. It's yeah, to say it's endearing. It's he, it's memorable. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm fuckface. Oh, I always wanted a nickname. I like that, though. Fuckface. Fuckface is a great insult. <laughs> what do you have? Gonna... Ass clown. The ass clown's pretty good. He was an ass clown. Yes, there you go. <laughs> oh, so what's going on with you? How was your week? No high beam shenanigans. I, I feel boring next to that. I don't think anything good happened to me. I had a birthday. That's right. Still yes. You turned 29. 29, exactly. I turned 29 for the fifth year in a row. Wait, I wish. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. In your case, it would be 29 the 10th year in a row. 10th year in a row. Countdown begins. Yep, Last year in my 30s. Uh-oh. What are you going to do? Well, it's better than the alternative. You know, turning 40 is better than not turning 40. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously. It's... I'm just going to have to tell myself that for 12 months straight and make myself believe it. Or start planning now for the most kick-ass 40th birthday party. I'm going to start planning now for my midlife crisis. Like, I'm going to be methodical about it. I always want to learn how to skydive and start my own skydiving school. Oh, my God. This is a plan. Now's the time to start. <laughs> Point break, baby. Ooh. Johnny, Utah. That's right. Start robbing banks. I just got to buy a mask. What I'll president? Get, I'll get, I'm going to get um Andrew Garfield mask. Yeah. And if anybody can identify it, then I'll automatically let them go. They'll, they'll Actually, be the first hostage I'll release. I, I think that's probably a poor choice since Garfield was assassinated. See, I, I'll have to believe you because I couldn't even see the other. You sure? Yeah. Was he? Huh. Well, let's, let's, was. let's place a bet. I'm, I'm not disbelieving. Oh, I just, a wager, if you will. I'm not a wager on something I'm sure I'm going to lose. Uh, winner goes first in trivia. <laughs> okay, Andrew Garfield did not get assassinated. I guess that, that's my bet. <laughs> that's what I'm forced into, I guess. Garfield president facts. He hates well, he, he was assassinated. He, he was assassinated. Let's see if he was shot. I'm, I was 100% certain he was assassinated, but... Mule let's accident. Let's see if he was assassinated by poison, or a rope, or maybe a pipe. The he was standing pipe. behind a horse. Somebody kissed the horse on the mouth. A horse bucked and kicked Dude. President Garfield and killed him. I don't I'm know how to... Story. Okay, so he was shot, yeah. He ah. was shot by Charles J. Goudier. I'm going to say that's Goudier. G-U-I-T-E-A-U. Guteau. Guteau? I'm going to say Guteau. Uh, Guteau collapses as Secretary of State Blaine gestures for help. I think Secretary of State Blaine was from Maine. Blaine from Maine. And went on to become governor of Maine. Emperor. Emperor of Maine. Emperor? 
Well, the capital is named Augusta. So he, I think if you're in charge, you're emperor. Or you're, no, if you're in charge, your name is Charles. Charles in charge of our days? Yes. And our nights? Wait, what did I say? Son of a... Can you hear me right now? Yes. Oh, this is... I you know could watch you melting down. This is great. Well, no, this is... I'm, I'm just saying that I love my iPhone... It's got a. It's an iPhone Seven, and it's got a gigantic screen. It's the Seven Plus. It's not the size that matters. Well, and I love what it does, but it's almost. Uh, I, it's how I sensitive it. to the touch it is. No, I just I think that I could be, I could be getting my Wikipedia facts easier than this. I just I'm bumping and I'm getting my double entendres. <laughs> it's, it's depressing me. Penis joke. Penis joke. Penis joke. Dick punch. There you go. You're back. That's so frustrating. What are you still looking for? Uh, I want to know if this dude's from Maine. Mm. He, uh... Yeah. He represented Maine in the U.S. House of Representatives, 1863-1876, Speaker of the House, 1869-75, yada, 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 Grover Cleveland, uh, Daniel Webster, Blaine... Oh, no. He was born in the western Pennsylvania town of West Brownsville and after college moved to Maine. He's not even native. <laughs> Those bastards that moved to the state. I hate them. Get out, you and your flat-brimmed hats. That was build a wall. Should build a wall. Keep all those non-main people out. Actually, it's a big river. Yeah, but you can swim. I can swim. They keep me in. <laughs> I swam okay. that bitch. So uh, Garfield was assassinated by some French dude. Good to know. Why so... that we were talking about him? Oh wait, wait. That's the mask I was going to wear. I bring it back. I don't remember now. That's right. So whatever so I makes. I'm going to have a whole biography in my head. Gonna make I'm going to so uh, Okay, so if we're doing Point Break, you mm. you are going to wear uh, Garfield's mask, and yeah. I'm going to wear Secretary of State Blaine's mask. Because <laughs> there is one <laughs> and, somewhere. And we'll be so mad that people don't know who we are. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll shoot anybody that doesn't get the reference. No, we won't even shoot them. We'll, <laughs> we'll waylay our escape. We'll delay our escape so we can explain to these people who these prominent historical <laughs> we people are. Totally like bring like a projector and a PowerPoint presentation for every heist. Oh, I knew it. I knew nobody was going to know who we are. Look, this class can open the vault. In the meantime, all you guys sit back. You're going <laughs> to learn something. You're going to enjoy this PowerPoint. <laughs> who knows what we- Garfield is? He hates Mondays. Boom. No. Yeah. Next. If you say lasagna, I will shoot you too. <laughs> Odie? Pow! <laughs> oh. What are we talking about today? Holy crap. Uh, plot holes. Yes, plot holes. That took me plot a Plot holes. Holes in the plot. Plot holes, or as I like to call them, logic leaps. <laughs> Brain speed bumps. <laughs> uh, yeah, so plot holes in movies and television. Yes. And there's a oh. the distinction between them I've come to discover, mm. I think. Let's start with movies. Gradients. Okay. Hit me, hit me, hit me with uh, a plot hole from a movie. Okay, well, doing a little research, because plot holes, you know when you see them, but sometimes they fade into the background, especially if the movie's good. There's a plot hole, which once I tell you, I'm sure this is like a famous one, and that I just it's something I never heard of, I never considered. So Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. The montage scenes where Luke is training with Yoda. How mm-hmm. long do you think that takes? His training. Uh, it, well, this is uh, 1980, so we've got the Rocky montage. He learned how to chase a chicken in a pretty short amount of time. So I'm going to say 
Luke and Yoda, uh, that was probably two weeks. All right. And that makes sense. You think at least a few weeks. Yeah. Think, think about this. Luke diverges away from Han and uh, Leia at the same time. He goes to Dagobah at the same time those two take off. And they're gone for what? A day? Two days before they end up on the Cloud City? Mm-hmm. Not two weeks. And then oh. Luke rendezvous right up in there. So there's something I never... Yeah, you don't even notice. Well, okay. I'm going to explain this. kind of hand wave it away. Maybe they were captured for a while. Maybe. Maybe they were closer to a black hole than Dave. Oh, right. He's doing this time Yes, was different and... Uh, I think with the Star Wars movies, a lot can a lot of suspension of disbelief needs to happen simply because <laughs> it's like a, a magic wizard space, space wizards, space wizards. Um, and George Lucas could probably like wave his hand and say, well, it just happens differently in that universe. The force is mysterious. Yeah, and you're right. And this is any movie. And this is, I think, plot holes. I mean, they're not exclusive to any one genre, but they tend to build up in things with you know, heavy, fantastical elements like magic or something like that. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely a plot. And this is what we're talking about is these, once you start looking at it, the timelines don't make sense. The from A to B doesn't work. You know, like there's, there's something that if this was real, if this was happening in front of you could not happen because something wasn't accounted for. Something else wasn't accounted for. Is that a circumstance of lazy writing or is that a circumstance of um, necessity to tell the story? I'm increasingly come to the opinion that it's lazy writing. Yeah. Well, here's here's something. And I can give you one example off the top of my head of uh, plot holes that could be explained by deleted scenes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That when you're watching the final cut of the movie in the movie theater, you're not privy to a lot of the stuff. You just, and also when you're sitting in a theater watching a movie, you're more invested than you are sitting on your living room watching a DVD, or you're more invested than standing around the water cooler talking about it the next Monday. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when you're, when you slap money down on the barrel head and walk in and you've got the popcorn and you're having a, an experience more than just having a movie played in front of you, um, I think probably more is allowable. There more plot holes are allowable. Suspension to a degree. Easily. To a degree, if if you go into it with different expectations, uh, or if you go into it knowing how things work, the mechanics of a movie before uh, before you see the movie, then you have a better chance of spotting these, especially on a second viewing in the movie theater. But I think that when you're sitting on the couch at home and you're examining a movie especially a TV show, um, you it, it's different. It's just a different experience. And that's why I am very fond of DVD extras. So, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. And a lot of well, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you my example in The Goonies when they talk about the right, octopus. Exactly, yeah. That, that's a plot hole. Anybody that was paying attention in the movie theater, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's one of those things that on the first viewing of that movie, that's almost a throwaway line. Yeah, the, and then the octopus. You, yeah, yeah and they're, they're talking about the octopus, and it's kind of like you, you're trying to figure out what's going on on screen, and that little tidbit of information, I mean, what what happened that we didn't get to see in the movie, you know? So, uh if you watch the DVD extras for the Goonies, you'll see that they filmed a whole scene with an octopus when they get down with uh, One-Eyed Willie's ship. 
Yeah, uh, when they come out the water slide or something? Or? They, they come down the water slide and they land and there's One-Eyed Willie's ship. And then there's this whole sequence where they fight an octopus. Right. And it's so bad. It was just so terrible that it was absolutely the right choice to cut that from the film. <laughs> Too fake looking, right? Yeah. yeah I, I, do, I remember seeing that scene. Like, I, I, You can go to YouTube and watch it now. You know? Yeah. But and, and that does relieve a lot of the problems with movies and people not caring about the dvd extras i do and i watch a lot of these extras so i'm just saying that lazy storytelling lazy writing or whatever you want to call it yeah that is probably one of the problems but some of the problems is a lot of these plot holes end up on the cutting room floor and um and then there's just mistaken plot holes there there are you can point to a few movies that have plot holes that get that get passed around the internet and taken on face value because people don't bother to rewatch the movie. They just go based on memory. But there are, there are things that just in kind of preparing for this episode that I read about that, you know, made a lot of sense where people like uh, two of the biggest ones I can think of are in Harry Potter, where they use the time Turner. That's like the king of plot holes. I think that's, but, but that's not really the, I mean, it's only the king of plot holes. If you choose to believe it's a pothole, a plot hole, because uh, I don't remember the movie that well, and I did read the book, but I it was a forever ago. Um, apparently, really, re- there there are rules, and you can't go back in time and change certain things beyond what were going to happen anyway. I, it's very difficult. It's a hard read. This website, well, this but goes into what we said before with time travel itself is just paradoxical from the second you start doing it. right. And apparently, Hermione has a line that says. You, you can't do this. Bad things happen to people that go back in time and change things. And things are things happen the way they're supposed to happen. And if you go back in time, bad shit's going to happen to you. So I think that that would be an easy way, an easy out for a storyteller to say, yeah, sure. You could have gone back in time and saved the day all along. Just like in Terminator, you know, you could have gone back and killed the ancestors of uh, John Connor, but then you risk not existing. So, I mean, there is a line, apparently, in Harry Potter where Hermione says, you know, we could go back in time and kill Voldemort before any of this bad stuff happens, but bad things would happen to us. So, uh, another example. Well, even though I I just got to say, though, even though, and this is still, like, I feel like the lazy storytelling part of it comes, the lazy writing. Because even though you give that throwaway line, oh, we can't do anything, that doesn't always solve it. Like, why would you be able to change a couple things. If it's a if it's a butterfly effect, the ripples in a pond, why would you be able to go back and save that griffin thing and uh but not change something else? Like why is if you don't know the unintended consequences, then why is the big things, you know, taboo but the small things okay? It's it's still like it still falls apart when you examine it. And that's lazy. And I get where you're coming from. You you wanna you know, you're coming back like, oh, this is why the rock was thrown. This is where it came from. This is why there was a howling in the distance. You know, when the when the audience sees all these things coming unfolding, it's it's a dramatic moment. It's it's a attention grabber, but it's still a plot hole. And I still think there's better ways to get around them than just one throwaway line that doesn't really make sense once you examine it. Like, if your throwaway line is itself a plot hole, then you haven't solved anything. Without a doubt. However, you have to move the movie forward, and you, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, and you probably or the book, but you probably can't do that if you spend, you know, an, an extra half hour explaining why this works and well, why. Well, no, this but you can construct the entire thing from start to finish better. 
Agreed. But um, like another example is um, Jack and Rose on the door of the oh, right. Titanic at the end of Titanic. And, you know, he's in the water and she's on the apparently there was a scene. I, I haven't seen Titanic in its entirety since I saw it in the theater. I think it was 97. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so I have to go by what this website was telling me. But apparently there was a scene where they were both on the door and it just wasn't buoyant enough. Mm. So so I think that that might, I mean, without having the movie in front of me to go watch and investigate, just taking it by that, I mean, you know, that's, I can see it's very plausible that somebody latched onto that and put it on the web and that just spread like wildfire and these people without watching. It seems to me that it would have been debunked at some point in time in a bigger <laughs> fashion than this one web page I found. But if that's the case, I mean, that's just a symptom of people saying, oh, it's a plot hole. I'm not going to go rewatch the movie to verify it. But, yeah, it's a plot hole. Let's let's put it on every single web page that has plot holes. Well, plus, and let's be honest with with the Internet, with these things, it's a it's a meme in the actual sense of the word, not just a funny picture, which is kind of hijacked the word. But it's a meme in that it spreads from person to person because it's a fun idea. It's a way to feel superior. It's a way to feel like you've got some kind of hidden special knowledge. Ooh, I never realized that the door was big enough for two people. Now I know, and I'm going to lord it over, you know, these fake imaginary invisible movie producers or whatever, the script writers. You could be like, oh, I bet you dropped the ball on that one. So at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, yes, that is very easy to do where you could just like poke holes in things that you don't have a part of without examining it further. It does not forgive actual poor plot structure in my book. Yeah. Like there's one real quick. I just remember people have said this for, you know, decade plus at this point, it was in uh, Lord of the Rings. Like, Oh, the entire thing could have been done with if The Eagles. Right. They just hop on the Eagles, drop the ring in the volcano and take off. But you don't even need special deleted scenes to throw that one out the window because you're like, all right, think about this. Mordor is a giant country. It's a, it's not just like a little field. It's a huge, you know, takes days to cross, weeks to cross on foot. Even flying is going to take hours. And it's gearing up for war. Everybody and their grandma is going to see these eagles flying overhead. And they have these things called arrows, you know. Right. Or Sauron's got that eyeball. You know, they're going to get seen and they're going to send the dragons or whatever the crap they have out. And they're going to take down these eagles before they get close. And then the whole deal's out. So the only way they could have done it is sneak in like they did. Right. So there, there are plot holes that people think exist that just don't. Not when you actually think, look at it logically. Right. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of go over this real quick. Just uh, blah, blah, blah. The scene in regards to Rose on the door and Jack off the door. Uh, there's actually a very simple solution. They tried it and it didn't work before Rose goes solo. The pair try to climb on the door and it flips due to not being buoyant enough. That's it. The film literally shows it can't happen. Yeah. They couldn't have really taken turns. Either Rose was near death by the time rescue came. So, I mean, again, I haven't gone and watched it. I'm like, that does sound familiar actually. Now I think about it. Yeah. And I've never seen that scene. That feels to me like one of those things that, I mean, this guy's saying it. So, you know, six to one, half dozen to another. It's one of those things that I'm believing, I'm choosing to believe this one right now because I do feel like it's possible that somebody at one point in time said, hey, why didn't they share the door? And then it spread like wildfire. Right. 
Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen people like they drew an outline of the shape of the door, and yeah, just they're playing cards, like sitting cross-legged, and you know, right, both laying, they're stretched out, and say, "Look, Rose is a bitch." It's like, no, man, it's a love story. She was tragic. He was tragic. It's all tragic. Right. You heartless monster. <laughs> Jack, don't let go. And you know, going back to what you said about the deleted scenes, I guess. And this might prove both of our points. <laughs> One of the most notorious ones is Independence Day. Yeah. How he uses a what? Uh, Apple, a Mac. A yeah. Mac to uh, hack an alien starship. But yeah. there is a deleted scene that shows him like getting a piece of the alien code and translating it or something like that. I can't there remember was, for it, sure. It was, uh, they had some of the alien tech in a vault at Area 51 that yeah. they gave him access to when he was <laughs> able to, you know, go all matrixy on it which is a it plugs a plot hole a bit but i'm sorry i'm there's no way a human computer would would, would he use wi-fi i mean how did he interface to begin with okay you have the code you have the whatever but i, I don't know how would he even use his laptop to, if he, either he uses laptop to interface with an alien spaceship which is makes no sense or he used some kind of alien actual hardware with his laptop which also makes no sense well maybe I mean, they had usb3 yeah, I mean, one of the others has C plus plus. I mean, what's? I mean, come on, let's be crazy here. Yeah, but it's still, you know, it is. It is what it is. There are there are scenes that plug those holes. My, part of my bit. part of my problem with plot holes is lack of detail. I guess is the way I'm going to put it. And I've talked about it. I don't want to just beat a dead horse, but like The Walking Dead to me, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the whole thing to me is a just a, you're watching a plot hole <laughs> oh, yeah. and the details just don't add up. And I've been criticized before, like, hey, it's a show about a zombie apocalypse. How much reality do you <laughs> want in there? But like, that's the magic of these shows is they can they can make us suspend disbelief, but ground us in a world that we still live in. That's the same for me with uh, Batman, uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, they they did a really good job um, saying, hey, look, this is Batman and he's fighting the Joker and it's all really comic booky. But hey, look, it exists in our real world. This Gotham City right. is real. We have, you know, district attorneys. Uh, we have, a, you know, a whole judicial system that is our judicial system. We have, you know, streets that function like our streets. We have crime that functions like our crime. We have like all part. these. Well, I mean, yeah, it it's still a little goofball, but, you know, it's not any town USA, but maybe any Gotham USA. Any Chicago. That's... Any Chicago USA. Pretty much, it, yeah. And you'd have to think that like a billionaire that is in weapon tech. <laughs> He's going to uh, do something with all that crap. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if a real life Batman dropped down in the middle of Chicago, he'd probably be destroyed in an hour. No. Have you ever seen the news articles about these real life superheroes? Yeah, and they're the greatest. Yeah, they cause more trouble than they're worth, and yada. yada. Basically, they wear spandex and have pepper spray. It's yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Kick ass. No, I mean like actual. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that. Well, like, right. That's the premise of Kick Ass. Like even Kick Ass was ridiculous. Like he actually did learn to fight and was taking on guys with machine guns and shit right. like that. Right. Well, he had Nicolas Cage on his side. We all um, have Nicolas Cage on our side. He's everybody's. Christ. He belongs to the world. It's not Nicolas Cage. It's Nicolas Christ. <laughs> um, but getting back to creating an environment that's real, but then yanking the rug out from under me with details in The Walking Dead, they just do it 
too much and it's too hard for me to invest time into you know i I don't want to like any of these people (laughs) i don't want to like the show now it's more fun for me to hate it plus in the end you're right everybody will tell you you need to suspend disbelief just need to enjoy the ride and I've said the same thing. I still am entertained by Walking Dead. But I agree with you to the point that if you took the same premise and you did make a tight, functioning narrative, how much better would the show be? I, I really think it would be hand, you know, head and shoulders better than it is now. If, Probably better, were, better than anything that's on TV right now. Right, because the ridiculousness does detract from it. Like, you can ignore it if you like everything else. But, like, I... Like, I kind of was joking, but they are mental speed bumps. Like you're cruising along and then you find these plot holes and you're like, oh, that was nonsensical. All right. Well, I guess we'll just get back into it and wait for them to get past this weirdness. Right. Like if you can make a tight near. So one thing I wanted to get into, and I found this list and I, it's from the website Standout Books. I basically just did a Google search, but they had five ways to avoid plot holes, which I thought were really good. So I wanted to... I just wanted to get the list here. So the first one is identify the cause. If you can see that you have a plot hole, find out where it is. Usually it's the narrative has, you know, like I said before, like you have from point A from, to point B that you're not getting. Like there's a disconnect. Um, and especially when it's, a, if, it's if you're writing, because this is a whole website about how to write books, not necessarily make screenplays or anything. But if you're writing, you can have characters that take on lives of their own if you've developed them enough. And... <clears throat> So you can you got to find out where that plot hole is and just plug it. So step two, they say, is identify the facts. So if you if you need to do some, you need to do your research. If you need to find out about you know what, what what is what does they say like a, a heroin junkie, you got to find out what it's like to be a heroin junkie. You're also going to write something that doesn't make any sense. If you want right. to find if you want to write about ships, you need to at least learn something about how ships work. And then don't ignore facts. Add them if you need to make it a complex scaffolding a lattice work for your plot do that don't get bogged down in the details and don't just take five pages describing the forest that the main character is walking into you know stuff like that but build your plot build your scene with more facts that flesh out what's happening and then they say number four is the nuclear option if you have a plot hole if you have a scene and you just cannot make it work get rid of the scene rather than leave the plot hole yeah or change it change it in a way that's could make sense, I guess. Yeah, and that's number five. That's a less than nuclear option, which is, okay, you got a plot hole, but you really need this scene. At least do what you can to patch it up with your throwaway lines. You know, you're, you're, you're just, one character's got to say, like the example they use was like um, in the Lord of the Rings with the eagles. You could have a character like Gandalf say something like, yeah, that eagle saved me from the tower, but man, it almost wrecked him. Or he, they can't fly too close to the volcano because the heat would destroy their feathers. You know, just a throwaway line, at right. least a hand wave it away to address what is right. inevitably a pothole. The percentage of the audience that is actually paying attention to that would then be right. satisfied and be like, oh, okay, that makes a lot sure. of sense. I, I get it. The idea is, and I, I, okay, like the example I wanted to use, and that I don't want to pat myself on the back or self-promote myself, but I mentioned before, so if I'm coming off like a, um, you know, egomaniac or something like that, I apologize, but I did write a book, like we mentioned before. Yep. And the two biggest things I worried about with writing it was, um, one is being unoriginal, which is why we talked about it last time. Like, mm-hmm. losing, like every every plot point I came up with, I feel like, oh, God, somebody's done this, and then they've done it better. And I'm still not sure that I've solved that problem. But the other biggest part I worried about was plot holes. So every scene I tried to create, I went over and back over saying, okay, does this work? 
does this character, can he be here at this point to say this? Would he know this? Would he, in fact, when I got to the end of my first draft, I had a huge, gigantic plot gaping wide yawning hole because I had one character interacting with another group of characters that they never interacted with before. And I could not in that one chapter make it work. Hmm. And I decided I had to write a whole extra chapter to make the entire thing work. And I did. When I when I'm doing my second draft, I, I wrote the new chapter. So like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm like this expert author that knows flash structure and stuff like that, but this is something that is knowable and able to be dealt with so that when you have huge plot holes, this is where the snob in me comes from. I feel like every episode I have some issue that I'm going to be a snob about, but this is the snob for this week is that huge plot holes are able to be dealt with if you can take the time to do it. Yeah. Rant off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm sure you want to protect your material as much as possible, but running it through another person could yeah, probably the, fix a that. That was in there too. One of the something else I was looking at said exactly that. Like always run it by somebody else because you can see with your own eyes and you know what you think should be happening. But if nobody else can understand that, then you failed. So you got to get somebody else to look at it and say, okay, well, like you you read the first few chapters of mine, mm-hmm. and you put a lot of things that I didn't see. You're like, okay, well, why would this happen? Why would that happen? I was like, right. So yeah. Right. Um. Wow, that's heavy, yeah. man. <laughs> that's real heavy. So, what do you think of? Is there a difference between plot holes in movies and plot holes in television? Um, I I think that plot holes in movies can probably exist. Well, I don't know if it's the easier is the best word, but they have less ground to cover. Yeah, or more ground to cover depending on how you look at it because television shows have i think probably a better ability to fix plot holes with future episodes because they're getting future episodes <laughs> that would that would just be the only thing i could think of um they are, they have more opportunities to straighten things out right well see so you're saying that movie plot holes will be easier to take easier to have than TV plot holes. Well, like I said before, I think that when you put money down to watch a movie, you're more inclined to sit there and and try and enjoy it and forget suspend disbelief. It probably depends on the universe that you're watching. Yeah. Um like if if yep. you're watching a movie that is supposed to be grounded in reality and they do something that's absolutely fucking bonkers. Right. You know, that's probably a little bit more glaring, a little bit hard to recover from. However, if you're in a Star Wars universe where you can magically wave your hand and just say that's the way this universe works, you know, that's a completely different story. Like I don't I don't think that, you know, Tatooine and you know, Naboo and all these locations exist. Therefore, whatever happens on those planets is kind of like, yeah, I guess that's just how it goes. I mean, Jabba's Palace, you look at Jabba's Palace and the that fucking place is a mess, but that's just right. how it works. Like there's a Rancor pit that drops you down <laughs> and then everybody watches you get ripped to shreds by this giant monster. And it's like, okay, that's that's pretty ridiculous however we're not in vegas where everything is weird and <laughs> we're in jabba's palace that's just how it works so, so, gigs again. yeah he might feed me to a giant monster but that's the price you gotta pay to play the big leads yeah <laughs> if you're size awesome. noodles you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> if you gotta wear lipstick and dance around that's right you know um 
So I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that because it seems to me that, you know, there's a lot of fantastical environments and universes yeah. in movies well, that you get to play with. You know, this this happens this way, like uh, Event Horizon. Like, sure. We're going to say scientifically this is how all this works and we fly to space and we're a salvage mission and yada, yada, yada. But you know what? We opened up the gates to hell. What are you going to challenge? Whoopsie. What, but, I mean, like anything is on the board. Anything. If you yeah. open the gates to hell, uh, you, you know, they could have they could have portrayed that any way they wanted. And you as the audience has just got to sit there and be like, well, that's, fuck, that's what happens that's- when you open the gates to hell. Yes, and that's exactly it. This is my. We've talked about this before. If you if you can have the most fantastical, magical, unbelievable fairy tale world in the in in existence, but the ones that say, "Oh, we can do this because magic," infuriate me. Oh, there's a magic spell for this. Oh, there's a special you know force technique we can use for that. There's this like you can make it up on the fly, and that I get it, but it also infuriates me. I feel like that's sloppy not necessarily plot holes but sloppy but if you can establish the rules for your universe as fake as it is this is the way this works this is the way this works this is the way this works then you can have a tight narrative within a fantastical setting dr strange when you, sure why not yeah you know this is how time travel works with us this is how you can cast magic this is how this fake mirror reality this is how it operates Mm-hmm. But if you break those rules, that's when you get these plot holes. That's when you get the unforgivable sin. We've talked about the movie um, Book of Eli. Yep. And this goes into something else too. Like when you watch this movie, you don't realize you're blind. Spoiler at alert! First, I can't remember at what point they reveal that. It's not the end, right? It's like halfway through they reveal no. it's blind. No, it's the end. Is it the very end? The very end. Okay. When, when, yeah, yeah, it is at the very end. When he. Uh starts reciting the bible and the whole time the whole time it flash you know it flashes back to like scene after scene after scene of where oh dummy you should have known he was blind because he was you know he was using braille with his fingers he wasn't just pulling along with his fingers and sunglasses on the whole time yeah i mean there were there were there were triggers i guess for you to understand that he was blind and that comes off like an M Night Shyamalan kind of thing. I full disclosure love the movie, love it. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. I but when you're sitting there and you get the big reveal and they sh- you show the flashbacks, like you said, and you realize, oh man, he's been blind start to finish, and you get that first little that little jolt, like, oh, that was so cool, I can't believe. And then you start looking at it, and there's right. some things he did. And I remember years ago when the first came out, we talked about this. I'm like, I liked it, and I even liked the twist. But there's some things he did that there's no way on the planet that a regular blind guy could do ever. The and fight scenes, it's like the fight scenes. Yeah, exactly. There's some things that happen. Like, I'm sorry. That's in a universe in a world that's created that establishes that there is not magic or superpowers. These are just dudes in post-apocalyptic wasteland doing their thing, blind or otherwise. There's some things that a blind person cannot do. And I, and somebody else said, well, you know, the whole thing's religious and tone hand of god god was directing them and that's where in my mind and this is you know i'm sorry but i'm just gonna say it you're gonna invoke god for part of it then why can't you invoke him for the whole thing this is a theological thing i don't know put it this is literal deus ex machina like we talked about in the first episode yeah where oh yeah that works because god came down and made it work well then why wouldn't god come down and make it all of it work at every point, but that's the whole theological thing that we're not going to get into. But it breaks the <laughs> rules. It breaks the rules of the universe they made, and that's what bugs me. Like you can have a fantastic sci-fi universe, don't break your own rules. Make your own rules, don't break your own rules. Yeah, that's a ridiculous town. Sage advice. 
Crazy Town Banana Pants. That's when you get there. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I know that they one of the movies that they talk about is a plot hole is uh, The Sixth Sense. That, like, why didn't Bruce Willis know the whole movie? I mean, like, that... <sighs> I feel is less him knowing that he's a ghost and more of we're going to tell the story this way. So at the end we get the reaction we want. That's a good That's, example of the throwaway line too. Yeah. That, that tries to plug that hole. Yeah. I they see what I, they want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is a story that was being laid out to you in the way that the filmmaker wanted it to be laid out to you. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily how events actually happened. Again, events didn't actually happen because it's a movie it's fake but <clears throat> as if you're watching this as if it's real life you're you are a fly on the wall watching these events unfold and obvious things have been left out that could have explained things away like yeah. you know nobody wants to watch a movie where every detail is shown nobody wants to see somebody go in the bathroom nobody wants somebody to drink eight glasses of water a day nobody wants to see you know <laughs> them lay in bed for six hours sleeping you know there are obvious things that could have uh been shown to us at an earlier stage to say Oh, Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time. I figured it out two minutes in because, you know, he couldn't... He walked through a wall. He walked through a wall. But, again, we're shown a sequence of events to tell a story, much like Memento. You know what I mean? This is a story... It's a storytelling prop, for lack of a better term. Memento's a good example. That's one with a ridiculous premise, but it follows its own rules from start to... Well, from finish to start. And, uh, And... I can't think of an instance where something happened that didn't make any goddamn sense within the rules that they established. Like, yeah, I mean, it worked. It was a tight narrative. It was a good storytelling. But in The Sixth Sense, I, I, I think that was a good one, too. I, I can't think of any plot holes within the world they created. In fact, I found myself asking like my friends, like, what do you think about the kid? Do you think the kid realized Bruce Willis was a ghost or not? Well, I think not. And that's because... I always did too, yeah. When he goes to do the favor for the little dead girl that vomited into the box, yeah. I guess. Is that what she did? She she had videotapes. Anyway, when he goes uh, it's he it feels to me like it's the first time he's done something like this. Right. So he doesn't know Bruce Willis is a ghost. Uh, he knows the little girl is a ghost, and when he she looks like she's messed up. Like yeah. a lot of the ghosts look like they're like screwy, and they do weird things. Bruce Willis didn't, and he looked normal. Right, which leads me to believe that uh, this little kid didn't know that he was a yeah, ghost. Yeah, I always thought that same thing too. I always thought he didn't know. Some of my friends like, oh yeah, because the first time you see him see Bruce Willis, he gets shocked, or he I don't know. They grasp onto something I didn't see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're both wrong. But I always thought he didn't know. Not that well, I mean. You're right in the sense that everybody that he saw that was dead, he didn't see people that were dead that died of natural causes or of injuries that, like the the woman in the bike accident, yeah, which, when she appears by the window, like she's fucked up. And the little kid that got shot by the gun, you know, he's fucked up. The little girl the that died in the fire, yeah, yeah, like all those things. All those people are fucked up. Bruce Willis is the only one that's not. So, like, what did they show us? And I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so maybe somebody does have a better idea. But what did they show us to verify? Like, if you went back on a second viewing, what could you pinpoint to make you think? Oh, of course he knew it. That's what I. That's what I understand. I, 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 I can't think of anything. Yeah, 
it's kind of an aside though. It's, that's like our main point, but well, I mean, it's still worth talking about because sure. I mean, that could be a plot hole that yeah. Why would he hang around with Bruce Willis and not the other ghosts? Right. So that's maybe me choosing not to see a plot hole. Maybe if he did know Bruce Willis's ghost, what changed? Like what? Made, there's no explanation of why he was like cool with Bruce Willis, but not everybody else. Because you know when he first when he sees Bruce Willis, if I remember right, the first time he really interacts with him, he's sitting across from the mom in the chairs. It makes it look like he just got done having a discussion with his mom. Right. So I mean that's puts him at ease, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I always thought he didn't know he was a ghost. Maybe maybe at the very end he did, but for the bulk of it he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. When Bruce Willis is coming to terms with it himself. Yeah. I I feel like Haley Joel Osment was figuring out at the same time or he's the one that tells him right it says like whisper to your wife when she's sleeping or something like that yeah sometimes they hear you when they're half awake which at that point yeah i can see okay he probably figured it out by that he knew he was a ghost by that but if you knew he was a ghost all along there's no reason for him to have trusted him over all the other ghosts he was messed right. up by all those ghosts right the and the little girl was the first one and he was apprehensive about it the first one he helped, yeah. Yeah, the first one he helped. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of went off the subject, but you were talking about the difference between TV and movies plot holes. Right, yeah. I think movies are easier to avoid plot holes with and less forgivable when you have them because TV, any TV show that's popular will go on for years and years and years, and it just keeps accumulating plot points that inevitably clash with each other. And it's almost always timeline stuff. Like, okay, like I have, I got a list of stuff that uh, just remind me right off the bat, friends, their birthdays are all over, all over the place. They change who's the youngest oh, one, that's who's right. the oldest who's, one. Yeah, I, do, I, I had heard this, that um, they never established a proper timeline for their birthdays. Yeah, it's all over the place. Like, they kind of settled down that Rachel's the youngest one at one point, but... That's one specific episode. And they have, they literally have like Ross say his birthday's on December once and then October later on. Mm-hmm. They, and then you have stuff like even uh, one I never watched, but I know you did, was uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yep. The timeline doesn't work for her giving, for when they got married and met and all that stuff and then giving birth to their first kid. When did JD meet Turks and Scrub? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not a timeline issue, but I guess this is a running thing that I never thought about is that in season one, Angel cannot revive Buffy with CPR because he's a vampire and doesn't breathe. Ah. But in subsequent seasons, which makes sense, you know, within the world, but in subsequent seasons, there's stuff like vampires choking each other, almost almost drowning. Cigarettes, <laughs> like, how do you do that if you can't breathe? You know, even, right. even something like, well, how do they talk? Because you make noises with your with sound going through your vocal cords. So unless you hand wave that away, go magic. <laughs> <laughs> but if they can yeah. still move, they can still move air in and out of the lungs if they don't need to. So I it doesn't make sense. It's, it's plot holes that accumulate. Like maybe they had a tight idea of what the vampires were and were not in the first season. And that went right out the window by season eight. That's just now, the way things work. Okay. I have two things. One is, is it possible that the writers to that show changed so oh, drastically, definitely. but, but they changed so drastically that a lot of stuff went out the window simply because one group cared less for the other group's version of, reality you know what i mean like yeah well exactly like i did i wasn't because i mean season one was what it's probably purely joss whedon yeah if not season two as well and then later seasons were oh we're so big fans of yours uh we're gonna do our own thing and make our own mark that's just right. what 
Um, and that that brings up a point. And um, if you were like, let's pick a show. Well, Westworld. Yeah. If if I were a producer of Westworld, I would go to Reddit. <laughs> I would go if to. Somebody did your homework for you. I would go to some of these theory people, the the people that are so entrenched in these shows, and I would hire them. Yeah. <laughs> I Give would have consultant fee or something, you know? Something. Because it seems to be, especially more and more with the internet um, and the way this kind of stuff goes off, I mean, you've got super fans that yeah. would absolutely make sure that you didn't take it <laughs> off the rails. Oh, my God. They would nut their pants if, you know... Christopher or Jonathan Nolan came to him and was like, I want you to be my consultant on Westworld. We want to make sure we have the uh, the potholes plugged. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, okay, yes. Can you imagine um, if X-Files existed for the first time now? In the internet age. In the yeah. internet age. And the the people who were into that show had the internet. Can you imagine what how that <laughs> would have been just ripped to shreds? And how it could have benefited from people keeping track of it that way. Especially the way Mulder and his sister ended up. Turned out his sister just died when she was a little kid. And I swear to Christ, I remember so many episodes about what happened to Mulder's sister that established firm facts of a conspiracy and a cover-up that in later seasons when they finally said, fuck it, we're just going to end this plot line mm-hmm. that you know in the internet age which i guess when it happened it was technically the internet age but not like it is now right yeah i mean it no not with the widespread there. yeah no I mean, so it would have been just like torn up like what that's the craziest yeah it it would have been disastrous for them let me let me tell you i will tell you my favorite tv plot hole that i did not ever notice myself because i was too young when i was watching the show but i have since read about it that makes me just I don't know. It makes me feel warm inside. So the Cosby show, yep. which the bandwagon's all about shit on Bill Cosby for, you know, good reason. So I'm going to jump right on that bandwagon. Apparently, when you really pay attention to just things they say over the years, like what age Claire and Cliff were when they met each other, when they went to college, when they did this, when they did that, but how old they are at certain points, you know, Cliff has a birthday and he's 53 years old, you know, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. do the math. The only logical conclusion based on timeline is that Uh-oh. Cliff Huxtable stopped Claire when she was a teenager and then followed her as like a weird, creepy, like he was in college <laughs> when she was like 13 years old or something like that. And then followed her to college to seduce her. That's the only logical explanation based on the timeline of the Cosby show. That is the greatest thing I've ever heard. That is awesome. <laughs> That is fucking awesome. It is great. Uh, I loved the Cosby show when I watched it, but... Oh, yeah, it was a funny show. Yeah, I mean, it was a funny show, and Bill Cosby was funny, and, you know, who couldn't like the family, but... um, Well, probably the women he raped. That and racists. Yeah. Yeah. Probably two groups that probably weren't on board with the Cosby show. Yeah. Rapies and racists. Ruin it for everybody. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's not horrible. I should take that back. Um, I won't. No, but I mean, I when I was yeah, you're right. When I was a kid watching that show, I never would have paid attention to something like that. That no, not wouldn't have ever years. occurred to me. And who knows how the wool's being pulled over our eyes with the, some of these other shows that we enjoy now? It's getting more difficult for them to do it. Clearly, everybody's watching everything. Everybody. My point is that as the show goes on for years and years and years, these things it's like a poison that builds up in your system that you can't flush out because it's you have to make a just so even like a. I want to do an episode about, you know, this guy's birthday. What, what's what's the deal? I don't know. We're just going to throw it. We're going to say he's 43. His birthday's in October. Whereas five right. seasons ago, we said he was. 
I yeah, mean, I mean, these know. yeah, these shows are going to run in syndication. Nobody will ever watch them again. You know, you'll get exactly. a, you'll get somebody watching an episode here or there in reruns. But yeah, watch old movies. You'll see so much shit like that that nobody ever thought they would see. Just you have to freeze frame things to see like the craziness. Like there's a something I just saw different podcast I listen to Hollywood Babylon, which is I think is hilarious. Does this every week where they talk about shit that should not be like things that break down that nobody noticed and one of them was one of the james bond movies i forget which one if you freeze a frame you see a dog uh taking a piss like right in front of james bond and the idea is how did nobody see this like how did nobody editing this say oh we got a dog in the frame just like lifting its leg and pissing all over the place why why would they not cut that out because it adds to the authenticity or one of my favorites is the uh movie the last samurai the tom cruise movie yep there's a scene where all the Japanese soldiers are lined up and there's a, somebody on a horse walking by. The horse fucking kicks one of the extras in the nuts. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, I love that. that. That's yeah. great. Um, Rescuers Down Under, uh, the it's Disney movie. That's got to be on purpose. It's in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a scene where they're flying and as they're passing windows of apartments, there's a, a porn on a, <laughs> on a TV. And nice. you have to freeze frame it to get to it, but people have done it. This, I'm sure yeah. you could go to Google and find a screen capture of the rescuers down under porn. There's uh, a, the scene at the end of the third Back to the Future movie. Doc Brown's kids come out of the train, and one of them is like just yanking on his crotch. Or <laughs> doing something to his crotch, pointing to his something. He's just like going to town. And you just don't even notice it when you're, cause you're looking at Doc uh, Brown. North by Northwest. Um, they When they're around the gift shop at mount rushmore they fire guns and the there was a kid at a table they, they were blanks obviously they were firing blanks and the kid at the table who was there during the filming knew that they were going to be shooting him so he's sitting at the table plugging his ears yeah yeah i think i remember seeing that one somewhere. yeah and then all of a sudden the guns he, started going up. Yeah. he knew it was coming yep. you know when they said action he's like okay well i don't want to I'm, I'm not doing this again screw this yeah <laughs> it was loud the first time I'm plugging my ears. So anyway, it's funny, funny stuff. Teen Wolf, this guy in the stands, that's like, I think he is jerking it. Like when they pan <laughs> to the audience, when he, when, you know, Scott, he does it without the power of the wolf. Ah, and everybody's cheering. Yeah. There's a guy in the audience just like, yeah, just like yanking. <laughs> that's terrible. I would love to be an extra. I would love to be an extra at some movie. Just see what the hell I could get away with. Yeah. I would just and- twist my nipples or something. I don't know. <laughs> To be a Lick my lips. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd love you to be a power plot. of friendship. Apparently, I'll be an extra Care Bears movie. I don't know. Uh, so, what have we learned from plot holes? I like nipples. Yeah, and Teen Wolf can do it without the power. That's right. I learned that some are forgivable, but I still feel that most aren't. If you want to take the time to do it, yeah. If you want to take, if you if you want to take the time. You can fix a plot hole. You can you can make it so at least you've acknowledged it, and you tell the audience in some way, shape, or form. Okay, we get it. We know you're going to notice, and we're going to try to address that. Let's move on. But if you try to just pretend it doesn't happen, that's when the anger comes out—the nerd rage. Now, do you have more rage when you don't catch a plot hole and it gets brought to your attention later? No, no, I feel like because if I don't catch a plot hole, then I've been thoroughly entertained by the movie so i'm happier with that it's when i see the plot holes as i'm watching that that's pissed me off yeah agreed that for me like nothing will make me face palm and groan more than sitting there watching a movie or something then it's like how does this doesn't make any sense oh now i don't like it anymore 
start to finish Batman v Superman. That was the, one of the hugest reasons I hated that fucking movie. Because I'm sitting there in the theater in my chair going, what the, what? Are, are you fucking kidding me? What? The entire yeah. time. Yeah. And the poor sap that was sitting next to you were like, was like, come on, man. <laughs> trying to enjoy the movie. <laughs> then I punched him because I took his flat brim hat and fucking shoved it down his throat. <laughs> yeah. Fuckers. It was full of flapping pants. Stupid people sitting there, slack jawed, thinking, uh, I could put Doomsday into a front naked jungle. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, terrible. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, plot holes. Can't, can't live without them. Yes, you can. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> Gotta live without them. So, do you, can you think of, I'm putting you on the spot, but can, can you think of a movie right now that was riddled with plot holes, but you still love? Um. <sighs> riddled with it i'd say probably back to the future but I yeah mean, that's again that's time travel yes that's uh that's them saying hey listen just throw everything away that you think you know we're gonna tell you a story and just go with it man <laughs> so um i'd say back to the future would be the one that's just riddled with plot holes but i don't care i really don't care yeah um spies like us yeah, what what plot well, holes? Comedy can get rid of, can get around this more than anything yeah, else. That's kind of a slapstick. Yeah, comedy. that's. I mean, you can you you have a huge huge margin of forgiveness for a comedy than you would any other movie. So maybe I shouldn't even said that one. <laughs> I mean, Bob Hope appeared. So I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah. Do you have an example of a movie that treaded so carefully that there should have been plot holes? And it actually did it. It did it right. I can think of one off the top of my head right now that then there might still be plot holes that I'm just not thinking about, but it it's primed for plot holes. And it, I feel like it walked the tight line. Um, um, well, it, I want to say one, but I know I'm probably wrong. What? Donnie Darko. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's, there's enough weird shit going on in that that you're not. Yeah, that's to. so odd. They, they can say whatever they want to say. It's just right interdimensional the, bullshit. But interdimensional planetary, uh, intergalactic planetary. I was <laughs> Beastie Boys. Um, die it out. I can do what I want now. I'd say Edge of Tomorrow. Oh yeah. I feel like that should have been just one giant plot hole, and it actually, to me, feels like it worked. Well, that's also time. See, because another one that popped in my head was Primer. Like that was mm-hmm. a pretty tight narrative. Yeah. And so I gotta say that maybe this is hard for me to admit, but maybe time travel because Edge of Tomorrow is definitely time travel too. It, you know, essentially time travel. Yes. So maybe time travel could be the cure and the cause of the plot holes. Like if you do it right, time travel can actually fix plot holes. But if you do it wrong, it just leaves a wide gaping. Yeah. Uh, food for thought. Yeah, I mean, if you get past the whole, this creature reverses time by a day. Yeah. To because uh, it didn't like the results. Yeah, right. That it has this ability, but it's not using it to eat you guys. I mean, like, I don't right? Know. Yeah, that that maybe is a little bit plot hole. Like this, like you got the ability to go back in time when you die from this monster that is not using it to fix what you're doing to it. Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little bit of a plot hole. Yeah, it is. Damn, so close. <sighs> anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> so, we good on plot holes? Anything else you want to add? Then I'm going to be good with plot holes. But I'll be yeah. resigned myself. Yeah. Necessary, evil, to tell a something, story. Sometimes. Something that can be avoided, but we're going to have to learn to live with. 
because it yeah. won't be avoided most times. We'll just have to. Yes. Sometimes if you're, gonna, the, if you're gonna write your own book or screenplay or TV script, be that guy that at least tries to close your plot holes. And if the studio execs, you know, shit all over it, then you gotta do what you gotta do. But start with a strong base. Yeah, that's my amateur advice to the people that are actually doing the work. You're welcome. Speaking of amateurs, <laughs> um, you were supposed to keep me on track with my huh? t- my TV idea. Oh crap. <laughs> Do you remember last week we talked about I, yeah, me, like every Friday me, writing, tell you. me writing a script for a TV show and it, having it go along the way, and you were supposed yeah, to yeah, I would remind it. you like every Friday or something like that. See, that was that was the cue for you to be like, yeah, I was just waiting for the episode to be uh, wrapping up. And... Nope, I plum forgot. I'm not totally gonna... forgot. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you that I have I have done a little bit of work. Oh, nice. I've uh, I've learned a couple things, <clears throat> and. Um, it's doable. It's yeah. absolutely doable. And from what I've researched, I kind of wish I had done it sooner. So you're doing a full like script, like fade no. in, you know, Bob says this pickle's no. in the wrong spot. No, the pickle's always in the right spot. You can use that if you want to. I'll let you as a plot point. For a small fee? No, no, I'll just give you like a producer credit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you an executive producer. Put me, credit. Put me in the credits as pickle man and I'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> Hand job pickle? I was going to work handjob pirate in there somewhere. <laughs> you beat me to it. Uh, well, one of the steps in creating your own series for television is to what they call, they you create what they call a treatment. And I'm sure now that I've said that, that kind of rings a bell. Have you ever heard that? No, I've heard that before, but I couldn't tell you what it yeah. means. Yeah. Um, it's basically a synopsis. Oh, okay. Uh, it is... An abstract, a synopsis, whatever you want to call it, but it's um, you want to at that stage of the game, you want to have the title of your show, uh, you want to have what characters you're going to use them, mm-hmm. you're going to want to have an episode arc. Okay, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Good well, reaction. I feel like this is going to be a one season, ten episode show. <laughs> And it's going to start with X and end with Y, and the arc is this. So that's basically called a treatment, hmm. uh, the or an outline. I guess is the best way to put it. It's an outline describing to the powers that be what your idea is, and that's called a treatment. Then, and this is something that I didn't know, and going back and listening to our past episodes, I kind of wish I had known ahead of time because this is fascinating. Um, there is a searchable database that is maintained um, by the Writers Guild uh, that y- y- once you once you submit your idea to that registered database, uh, it becomes copywritten. And well, I mean, oh, technically, wow. technically, it's copywritten the second it comes out of your head on paper. But it, you put it in this searchable database, and it becomes accessible hmm. to, to the people that matter. So you could actually do a search to say, has somebody done this idea already? Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, yep. okay. And it's somewhere around like 20 bucks to get it submitted. And hmm. if you, just in my imagination, I don't have any facts to back this up, but just in my imagination, that database is probably inundated by people. Yeah, I got it. You know what I mean? Imagine. It's I, I imagine that it, it a lot of ideas are already in there. I can't imagine that all ideas are in there, but a lot. <laughs> um, it is the totality of humanity. Well, it I contains mean, all. It is all. But can you imagine a database, a searchable database 
that is full, just absolutely full with thousands and th- hundreds of thousands of oh, scripts yeah. and ideas and characters and episode arcs and all these things. Can you imagine if they decided to take an AI program and fish and just troll through this searchable database to put together the best TV show ever? I feel like they've done that. Like that seems like something I've read about that has happened. Like they've, I know they've got script bots. Like they've got yeah. things basically like AI for want of a better word, not true AI, obviously, because we've never made that for real. But you know what they call like AI these days, trolling and coming up with a script, like a plot, a yeah. scene, something like that. I think that's happened. Now, I don't, I, I'm not saying it's happened with this database, but it, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. But I mean, this is all protected material too. So yeah, right. uh, an AI could go in and, you know, steal X, Y, and Z, but it's still stealing. So that's that's the beauty of the searchable database is once you've submitted your work, it's your work. Hmm. And it puts it in a position to be looked at by powers, the powers that be. Right. So, okay. So to bring you up to speed on how I'm doing is uh, I'm working on my treatment. I'm working on my outline. Uh, and I will absolutely pay the 20 bucks and I will submit my work to this searchable database and consider writing at least an episode or two uh, mm-hmm. and trying to boost that. But I feel like I'm on my way. I feel like I'm I'm doing my thing. And in a future episode, maybe once I've got my material uploaded to that searchable database, maybe I'll, I'll talk about the content of my show a little bit to entertain the fans. That's the, a, uh, man, you're a braver man than I am. Cause I really have no desire to talk about the, you know, what I'm writing. Well, I have no illusions. I'm sure that my idea is, uh, you know, I already know half of what my idea is, is stolen yeah. from somebody else. You know what I mean? Well, that's nothing new under the sun. Seriously. I yeah. Mean, it's, all... it's, you know, the things that I've been influenced yeah. by and, you know, they could they could come out with a TV show tomorrow with my exact idea, and I'd be like, eh, yeah, it was time for somebody to put out something like that. Ugh, but, Every time I read a plot point from something else that I thought of, that I think I thought of originally, mm-hmm. kills me, rips my well, heart out. I you want to speak? You want to talk about getting your heart ripped out? I think I'm immune to it now, simply because I've had the ultimate, seriously, the ultimate heart rip out. Yeah, broken heart. I was a broken man. Because do you know um, Disney, Walt Disney World, if you go to their parks, you can purchase a uh, an RFID chip in a form of a bracelet that carries all your information. And you can walk through the parks scanning your chip and it will give you access to certain things. It'll let you purchase certain things. But essentially, they've digitized the tickets and all these things in it, into a chip that lets you wirelessly walk around and do your thing. Okay. Did yeah. you know that that's a thing? I did because you have told me before. <laughs> okay. Uh, probably five years, maybe six years before that was a concept or that was something that was announced by Disney. I had that idea. Bastards. And I never, I, I told a couple people simply like, Hey, I'm going to be a millionaire one day because I've got this idea and I've kind of, I leaked it a little bit to people cause I wanted some there instant feedback. <laughs> now I know I didn't leak it to anybody that had any influence that took that and got rich off it. However, no, no, no. I, I will say this. I completely believe that if anybody has a mind reading device, Walt Disney does. <laughs> so, because yes. 
because I, I visited their parks, they read my mind. Yes, they walked on some kind of art somewhere, boom, there it is. Yeah. Somebody in the booth somewhere was like, oh, that's a good idea. We're going to yeah. do that. We're going to make billions off this, and this poor <laughs> sap is going to... Thanks, sucker. Yeah. No, and I just, I feel like that's one of those things that, you know, I had that idea, so clearly mm-hmm. other people had the idea. You know, I like... From somewhere, so somebody else got from the same place. Right, yeah. right. It was one of those things that somebody beat me to the punch, but yeah, man, I wish I were a millionaire right now because of that idea. I wish I had yeah. just immediately <clears throat> written a letter to, you know, Disney. I have this idea that I want to pitch. Can I pitch it to you? And I, I could have been me. So anyway, blah. See, the key is you got to come up with something so off the wall that nobody else could think about it. Like, you know, I, I want pants that are combination pants and ant farm. That would be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I could walk around pants and I could see the ants doing their thing. Like nobody would think of that because that's crazy. Yeah, you could name them ant pants. I got ants in my pants. Pants, yeah. I didn't even think of that. That's you see? stole my idea. Yep, I've already made a million dollars. You, just, off you it. just stole it and improved on it. Now, boom. That's so, right. <laughs> see, that's how quick it works. That's, that's, but the joke's on us because Disney's already read our mind because they're listening to this podcast. That's going to be the next like amusement ride or whatever. You're going to walk in and there's going to be ants crawling over the place and they're going to be like, yep. Here's a fun fact. Sucker in Maine. For every human being on this planet, there's 1.6 million ants. I was just thinking about this today. Like, literally today, I was thinking about, do they have ants in the Arctic? Like, do the ants live in like really cold places? I don't, I don't think so. Because there's a show I've been watching called Fortitude. It's on Amazon Prime. And I'm going to stop talking now because if I say anything else, it's going to reveal the twist at the end of okay. the first season. So I'm going to stop. Never mind. Ignore what I just said. It's already ignored. Yeah. Uh, here's another fun fact. If you took those, all the ants in the world and all the humans in the world, remember I said there was 1.6 million ants for every human. Mm-hmm. If you took all the ants in the world and all the humans in the world and weighed them, they'd weigh the same. You call me fat? <laughs> What you're saying? I'm saying you weigh as much as 1.6 million ants. Yeah, there you go. I just, I hear you. Well, that that does not include the ants that you have in your pants, which I do. They're my friends. I think I I want. I was waiting for you to say that if you took all the humans in the world and all the ants in the world and had them join hands, we would have a golden age and all the problems of the world be fixed. The planets would would align. Yes, we would use like ant power and human power together for the first time. Sing kumbaya. We are the world, and then the ants would. You know, be able to carry like 50 times their own body weight and they would do all our work for us. Oh my God, I'm going to write this script. Holy shit. Oh, too late. It's already on Disney. (laughs) Damn you, Disney. (laughs) It's on Disney XD. Is that like Disney After Dark or what what is this? Um, It's 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 more like a preteen to teen version. That's like, no, no. They they have uh, different Disney channels for different age groups and stuff. Walt's heads in a jar, just touching himself when he watches it. Did you hear about that stuff that went on with his cryogenically frozen head? I've heard the rumors that his head, like the urban legends, that's a thing. I don't think it's, that's official. It's, it's a thing. And the guys that worked there wrote a book, <clears throat> a tell-all book about how his head sits on a tuna can. Oh, that's awesome. I thought that was just a myth. No. <laughs> and that they've used it for bowling and all. Like, Oh, my God. It's like Futurama <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. They wrote a book. I don't. I don't remember the name of it, but there is a book out there. My um, life with Walt. My life with Walt's head. Walt. It's like Bowling for Columbine, but with Walt's head. Nice. So what else okay, is going on? 
Hmm? You got some trivia, right? Yeah, I get to go first because I won the bet. Yeah, because you won your lopsided bet. You stacked the deck against me. I don't think so. You, you made the bet, and I agreed with you already. So how was I supposed to win that? Well, because you disagreed. No, I agreed. You said Garfield got assassinated. I said, I said really? he was shot. Yeah, and I said, no, okay, yeah, probably. I'm pretty You're sure. Right. What, what did gonna... I say? He got kicked by a horse. You don't know about you. Okay. I'm pretty sure you said I don't think he was assassinated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this episode again. Rewind the tape. going to rewind it. Uh, okay, trivia. I'll go first. In this, I'm going to put some pressure on you and say that this question is right in your wheelhouse. It's about nipples. <laughs> it's about ants. Seriously? No, it's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> However, uh, Bill Shakespeare, your Billy. friend and mine, Billy, uh, invented a name for the Merchant of Venice. Never mind. That's different. And this name uh, is uh, a fairly, I'd say this is a fairly popular name for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's a woman's name or a girl's yeah. name. It's a, it's a, if we're going to be non-gender neutral here, I'd say it's a, it's a feminine name that William Shakespeare invented. Traditionally feminine. It's traditionally feminine. The character he wrote it for is feminine. Listen, if I start describing more of it, I'm going to fuck up, and I'm going to give you the question. <laughs> Damn it. Give I was the I'm going to try. Does it have ovaries? <laughs> uh, it's Cleo. No, just kidding. Okay. Well, I, like see, I, I almost said Wendy, because I do know that the guy that wrote Peter Pan invented the name Wendy, but that's not Bill Shakespeare. Was that so, because she was flatulent? <laughs> I think she's a, she wound string on a dowel. Oh, see, I was thinking Wendy. Wendy. She wore all those nightgowns that could she could just let them rip and you know be free. Like, yeah, no, I'm flying. That's what this is. Wind rippling. Stuff. <laughs> That's right. Has nothing Monster to do with flatulent. Has everything to do with toots. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so William Shakespeare, Shakespeare invented a name that we use today. I'm going to say uh, Christina. No. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, that would be based on like Jesus. <laughs> I'm. I'll try and give you a Jennifer. Oh, you're so close. You're like Jessica. Yes, Jessica. Oh my God! Wow. Yep. Which Boom. my my clue was going to count take that as a win. I'll call it a win. Yeah, I was going to give you a Who Framed Roger Rabbit clue. Oh, geez, that would have been too much. I would have, I would have been disappointed in you. I think if you had done that. Why you don't like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, I'm just saying that would have been too obvious. Like, oh, I, I wouldn't have made like, it obvious. Your lack of faith in me would have disappointed me <laughs> in, in you. Yes. <laughs> So that's a long way to go to be disappointed in one person. I traveled long and far to be disappointed in you. You should be shamed. I need reasons to hate you, and I found them. I'm disappointed in you, just how disappointed you are in me that I was disappointed in you. I don't think we can be friends anymore because you're bringing cartoon bimbos into this whole thing. This is terrible. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) All right. So, yes, Jessica. Jessica. Bill Shakespeare invented the name Jessica for the story Merchant of Venice. Good for him. Yeah. I'm going to invent a name. I am too. And it's going to be, I'm going to invent the name Walt Disney. Oh, crap. There's somebody with a head in a jar that's going to dispute that. they came from the future and read my mind and then went back to the past and named Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Damn you, future people. See, time travel fucks everything up. I know. Steals millions from you. It's terrible. Okay. All right. My trivia question is mm-hmm. sort of in your wheelhouse. I know you're into this. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. 
All right, okay. I'll just I'll do it this way, and this might be making it too easy. If it is, I apologize. I'm it's not. I'm disappointed I, in you being disappointed in how I'm disappointed in <laughs> myself. I'm disappointed in everything. Okay. Um, all right, this guy his name's Alex Tan. He got the world record of beating Super Mario World, not the original Mario, the 1990 Super Nintendo game, Super Mario World. Yep. He beat it in 15 minutes and 59 seconds. But that's not why he's distinctive in that record. Can you think, maybe this is too open-ended, can you think of what he would have done while he beat this game that really sets it apart? What did he do? He was surfing the whole time. With a portable SNES. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. So Super Mario, Super, Super Mario World. Mario World. So with Yoshi and all that good stuff. Yep. I love yep. that For the Super Nintendo. Yes. In 1990. Yes. Well, he didn't beat it. In that, this is when the game came out. He beat it. He set this record in 2016. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He beat it in 15 minutes, 59 seconds in uh, August of 2016. And that's the world record. That's the world record for the way he beat it. Okay. Here's where my mind is going. You ready? Porn. Hmm? I don't know. Just every time I hear mind going somewhere, I think porn. So that's my burden to bear. He... Okay, this isn't my final answer, but I, this is the track I'm going down. He didn't use his hands on the controller. See, I that's porn, because what else is he going to use? Let's be honest here. He's very excited about Mario Brothers. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> Luigi sexually thrilled him. <laughs> and she's tongue it for him. The amazing thing is he... Maintained he just erection. jumps up and down and wins it for 15 minutes. Maintained an erection for 15 minutes. Who's <laughs> uh, Mario 2? I could have done it for 15 minutes. Princess Daisy was floating around, looking all sexy. In Super Mario 2? That was Peach. Yeah, yeah. Daisy. Wait, they didn't you said Daisy. They're not the same. Daisy and Peach are not the same. Oh, my God. Oh, I just disappointed I'm, you. I'm third-party offended. Uh, no, <laughs> Daisy and Peach are not the same. They're, okay. they're different princesses for different reasons. Days of the week. Like Rosalina. She's my princess of choice, by the way. What the fuck was Rosalina in? Galaxies? I don't know. And Mario okay. Kart. So she's Luigi my character. One, Mario gets the other, I'm guessing. She's, she's my Mario Kart character, Rosalina. She has your heart in yes. Mario Kart. And my star. Okay, Very so I am. my guess here is that he beat Super Mario World using his mouth. <gasps> no. Feet. No. Eyebrows. Getting closer. His brain. <laughs> Mind waves. I, I I don't know. What did he use? He was blindfolded. What? Yeah. He was blindfolded. He was in fact he set the world record previously at twenty minutes away, it says here. Um twenty three minutes he set the world record playing it blindfolded. Somebody beat that with a crazy Chinese name that I I mean literally they're using Chinese characters, so that makes it crazy. Or Japanese. Yeah, Japanese character. Sorry, I just offended somebody. Um, with 17 minutes, 46 seconds. So this guy went back and retried again and got it in 15 minutes, 59 seconds, blindfolded. That means he had to memorize, you know, when this turtle walks on screen, at what point, if I'm going this fast, do I jump onto this platform? You know, Koopa flying around at the end of the clown copter. He's going to go this way, then that way, then this. That's in fucking sane to me. That is. That is absolutely ridiculous. That being said, it's I could doable. probably get through the first world of Super Mario Brothers blindfolded. Original? The original, yeah. When you say first world, you mean like just 1-1, not like all the way to Exactly, the... no. Yeah. There's no way. I I could, could... That I can see. I mean, I could probably get, I'm not going to say through it, but I could get a ways into it without dying right off the bat, I think. 
not that that's a huge <laughs> achievement, I guess. But. Well, I have a, a Nintendo Classic Mini with mm. Super Mario Brothers. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this this week. Yeah, I am bragging. Um, I'm going to try it this week, and I'll let you know how it goes. I'm going to... I want you to film this. I want you to film the frustration. I want uh, to see the, the highs and the lows of this. Uh, okay, that's, I, can, I can do that. <laughs> put that shit um, on Facebook. It, just, it might be a long video. Put that on I, Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Oh, our mop page. See, did I tell you the whole story about seeing how much my Nintendo Classic Mini goes for on eBay? I think you mentioned it. Like, you're kicking yourself. Yeah, it's almost like, am I being a responsible person to my family? <laughs> by, <that's> <laughs> by not selling it, by not turning a, you know, a profit of 500%. I don't know. It. I could put my daughter through college with this thing. Well, no, but... I just watched one go for four hundred dollars on eBay without anything. It was brand new in the box. Mine, I still have the box and all the things that come with it, but I also have all kinds of extras. I could probably sell my Nintendo Classic Mini on eBay for like five hundred bucks. But it's Sully, if you played it, you touched it with your dirty man yes. fingers. <laughs> I said man fingers as a euphemism, but if you want us to paint this up there. You wanna know something uh really interesting that my kids are into these uh Blind blind opens. I know I've told you about them before. You're familiar with the blind bags in the haul videos on YouTube. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. What I bought, uh, my kids love those uh, videos on YouTube where they, they open up a toy that you don't know what it is. And they've got these new ones called LOL Surprise. Excuse me. Mm. LOL Surprise. They're 10 bucks. Mm. And it's a ball. <laughs> And it's got seven layers to peel off, seven layers to get to the center of this toy. And um, when I was a kid, that was just called the Tootsie Pop. Yeah. One. No, when we were kids, like uh, they had like Garbage Pail Kids and the Muscle Men, and you know anything that you you'd go and go to the store and buy a pack and not know what you were getting. You'd have or to take a bag it. in the case of Muscle Man. Actually, I, I I remember mine coming in like this, just near this opaque uh, trash can. Maybe that's I guess one, but that does sound familiar. But maybe I'm thinking of something else. Something yeah. came in a bag. I thought it was Muscle Man, but maybe I'm thinking of maybe well, it was a Muscle Man knockoff or something. Maybe. Well, I I think it was double protected. I think that they it was in a bag in an opaque trash can. Hmm. Um. And I don't think that they were always a trash can. I think that they were, because they were wrestlers. So I think that they came in kind of all kinds of these things that they used to smash over each other's heads. Yeah, okay. But um, the ones that I remember specifically came in a trash can. But uh, anyway, so I got these um, LOL surprise toys for my kids. And they come in common, uh, uncommon, rare, and ultra rare. Mm. So the ultra or the rare and ultra rare come in gold balls, but you can't see it because there's seven layers of shit on top of it. (laughs) So they're normally blue, I think, blue or pink, whatever. But inside there are little children that are dressed up and each layer allows you to do something with it, like dress it or put shoes on it or stuff like that. So I got this as kind of a reward surprise uh, good behavior kind of thing. And uh, so I had them out for the kids and they started unwrapping them. And one of them got the gold ball. Ooh, and, and so we're going through and we're, you know, she's getting pretty excited because they've watched these YouTube videos, you right. know, like 
what seems like thousands of hours of YouTube videos of people unboxing these and unwrapping them. And she gets to hers and it's a gold ball and it's very exciting for everybody. Well, she gets it c- cracked open and uh, it's an ultra rare. And so, so it might actually be worth money. I went on eBay. They're worth 40 bucks. Oh, shit. And I say they're worth 40 bucks. There was one on eBay that was being sold for $40. I don't know if that translates to then I could put one on eBay and get 40 bucks. I don't know. Whatever. However, it was going to go down. But uh, God, I felt like being like, okay, child, (laughs) I'm going to teach you a (laughs) lesson right now. All the shit that I had when I was a kid is worth hundreds of dollars right now, and I don't own any of it. You're going to take this and you're going to put it in a vault somewhere. (laughs) But let me tell you from experience, make her tell her to hide it from her little sibling because her little sibling will burn it with a freaking lighter. Yeah. If you're listening to this, my my brother, you you know what you did. Yeah. (laughs) Just well, I mean, they're toys. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, I, I. wanted so desperately to snatch that right away from her but i didn't <laughs> this is capitalism buy low sell high that's the way it works well that's like i i almost said we can sell this right now and the amount of money that we would get from it we could buy five more of these but i didn't you'd have just as much fun because does anything separate this ultra rare from a regular one besides scarcity like does it does it yes, physically it, any different physically it is different it oh, is okay. uh they're instead of getting one kid there's, they normally come as like a toddler, I want to say, and her, the one she got was two infants, so it's mm. a twofer, but they're babies. But anyway, uh, the good dad in me was just like, all right, Let her play. open it up, like throw it in the bin with all the other shit. Because <laughs> I mean, they've got bins. You're gonna be bored in a day, so minutia. Well, I, I can't really say that. I never know what's gonna hit because. You know, some of these things are a dollar and some of them are like five dollars. And like mm. in the sense of these LOL surprises, they were 10 bucks a pop, which is on the way expensive side. The only reason I bought one for them was because they watch those unboxing videos and they are just absolutely like glued to every single time somebody opens one of these. And um, they, uh, you know, we made a bargain with with her that if she had behavior she has this behavior chart that comes home and it's always really good, but then they have like super good and super, super good behavior, like super helpful and all this super other super stuff. Good. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of made a bargain with her that if she, if she came back with these that are, you know, helpful and caring and kind and whatnot, that we would reward her in some way. So we, we got her one. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> but some of these ones that are like 50 cent pieces of shit, just absolute dumpster fodder are the ones that they like the most. <laughs> so the kid that plays with the wrapping on the present, but doesn't give a shit about the present. Yeah. Which well, apparently I, was me yeah. when I was a kid, according to my parents. So you like the wrapping better than the present itself. Like when I was a kid at Christmas, I would love ripping the wrapping off and playing with the bows. And then please then, tell you know, me when your parents were telling you this, you just looked them straight in the eye and said, yeah, cause you gave shitty gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I could do better. Look at me. I'm having more fun with the bow than the shit that you gave me. Just look them in the eye while I'm like not even touching their present. What? <laughs> this is on you. This is your failure as a human being. You know what you did. I was a very precocious and dickish child, I guess, if I was going to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I was four or five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can just time travel back to your body and, and then do it. I'm a time turner. Well, you know what happens to wizards that use time turners too much? They grow up to be hot. Wait, feminist discussion. Hot feminist, hey, there you go. Hot is hot. 
Uh, uh, well, that was great. Plot holes plus. <laughs> a lot of plus. <laughs> yeah, this is a supersized episode. We we kind of went down some rabbit holes there, but it's all good. Yeah, it is. It's good. It's all good, and it's all in fun. In other news, what do we have other news? Oh, we're gonna know. try to we're gonna try to revive the vault. Is that we were talking about that? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely We've gonna kind of forgot about that over the last few. Bringing back the Legacy Vault, and the way we're gonna do it is well, we haven't completely decided on how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna we're gonna nominate one film. The two of us will nominate one film, and then, and we're gonna then, use then the we'll pull it apart and see yeah. if it belongs in the vault. The I feel Legacy like we should vault. maybe, and we should talk about this, I guess. But one way we could do is come up with like maybe five or ten films, randomly pick it. So neither one are prepared. We don't know what's. We just have the criteria, and then we are surprised ourselves with. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm down with that. Okay. So cool. Something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. All right. Tune in next week. Next week, we will have something for the Legacy Vault. For the Vault of the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> I loved Tales from the Crypt when I was a kid. Great show. I absolutely loved it. It brings back so many good memories. It was so campy. It was so great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we should probably wrap this up, though. All right. Well, so as always, I am Bob Scully. And I'm Frankenfurter Mulder. Frankenfurter. Let's do the time warp again. Oak Nuggets. Oak Nuggets, get me in your Monday milk. Get me in your Monday milk. All right, see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.